Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Palate Exposure, featuring Ilona Thompson, a podcast for those seeking the ultimate in wine, food, and travel. Each week, she interviews winemakers, chefs, celebrities, and a variety of guests that shape the way we enjoy life. I know editors are all busy, and I'm pretty sure any editor or writer who hears this is going to just shake their fist in anger at me. But ask if, if you're curious about a publication and a writer, ask to set up a 30-minute coffee date or Zoom call to get to know them and get to know their audiences. Um, when I started, I, I loved doing this. I loved getting to know the PR agencies and letting them get to know me and Wine Business Monthly and say, you know, here's what we're working on through the year. Here's the type of story we're looking for. Um, you know, you can send me pitches all you want, but you know, I'm not going to jump on something that talks about Halloween wine or wine to have while your kids are trick or treating. But if you tell me that this wine was made in a concrete egg that was just imported over or made from the dirt in, in the vineyard, you know, that's, that's more my angle. And so for me, for a press trip, yeah, I love the educational exploration part of it, but I need I'm going there principally to learn about winemaking and viticulture methods mm -hmm. that are happening in Europe, South America, Australia, that we can implement here in the United States. Mm -hmm. well, that all goes to quality of communication, really, because yeah. whatever they feed in, that's what's going to eventually materialize. And um, I don't know about you, but I've been rather disheartened about some of the stuff that started popping up all over the place with the influence influx and the travel being ramped up by marketing budgets being spent on that rather than traditional advertising. Not to beat up on, you know, the influencer because I think they have an important role to play, but um, I just think the quality started suffering. Um, what is your perspective on that? It's funny. I was having a conversation about this earlier. Um, the, a true influencer is an educator mm -hmm. and somebody, and a true educator either has the expertise or seeks out the expertise to learn more. Um, so, you know, if I, if I think of just how we define influencers now as, you know, the people on Instagram who post pretty pictures of them drinking wine somewhere special, I don't see what value that has. And I see that fad dying out at some point, eventually influencers like that will no longer exist. Um, and we're kind of seeing that a little bit with COVID right now, right? Yeah. You know, I, I do follow a couple influencers in, just to see, right? Just kind of follow along with the type of content they're posting. And they've stopped posting. Hmm. Most of them have posted things that are completely tone deaf to the situation and have lost followers. Hmm. So if anything, that kind of proves to me that, you know, the fake, I guess you call them fake influencers. I hate to use yeah. that term. Yeah. Um, I, I think that will eventually disappear. That will go away. And the true influencers the true educators will emerge out you know it's so important to me specifically because i think that you and i are on the same page in a sense that i've started picking up on the fatigue that this type of content was generating and with the covid situation we're also raw that the fake stuff stands out more for being fake because we, our radars are sharper right now. You know, people are dealing with life and death situation. Our mortality made us a lot more vulnerable, but also more astute. It's like you have no time for BS, to put it very succinctly. Yeah. I, if I'm going to consume content, I want it to be of value 
to me. And I know I can't be alone in that. I can't, it, it can't just be, you know, editors and journalists and writers who get tired of seeing crappy content. Yeah. Uh, you know, the friends that I talk to, they're the same way. They're, they, our lives are so short and we're all so busy that when we are on Instagram or on Twitter or reading an article, we want something that means something that has value to it, that enriches our lives in one way or another. Absolutely. In that same context, um, obviously a lot of traditional media is hurting right now and it's, you know, financial pains, but also they haven't secured a solid audience for whatever set of reasons. Um, so I think once this thing kind of eases up and eventually starts, um, you know, takes on a new form, I don't think it'll ever be normal, but whatever that new normal is, um, and people come back um, to work and such like that and reading in a normal, in a normal way as opposed to, we're still going to be in a 24-hour news cycle, but, you know, not, people are not glued to the, um, to the sources of public, of, of information. What do you think that world might look like? Um, what adjustments do you think might happen and what adjustments should happen in the media space? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know I kind of put you on the spot, but I'm so curious. What you, what you that's the million dollar question, right? Um, I think, well, I mean, there, there are different kinds of media, right? So your traditional news media has always and should always be there to report the facts, dig up the facts, and put it in a way, and give it some context, right? You can't just report on a story, you have to report on why the story is important. Mm -hmm. um, and But for a lot of media, like B2B or consumer, I think this, the best practices that'll go forward will be meeting readers where they are in a format they want to engage in. Um, I, we, we started webinars yes. last month uh -huh. and because we realized that there's some kind of content that you just cannot put in it, in an article. And currently cons our, our readers are kind of stuck at home. Yep. Or, you know, mostly stuck at home and are looking for a sense of community and want to expand their education. So we're trying to provide those webinars so that they can get the education and at the same time through the chat function, talk to others, right? We saw two big needs for our audience is that community and that education. So we delivered on webinar to provide them that. Um, and I think a lot of media is just going to have to start to embrace digital in, in a bigger way than they have. A lot of publications simply put their magazine up online mm -hmm and left it at that. But your, your digital offerings need to be different than your print offerings. I'm not saying print is dead, but print is very static, right? You print it, there's nothing you can do. You make an error, that's it. Um, but with digital, you know, we can't necessarily run as the, the long features, but we can run up-to-date news. Uh, we can do interviews, do this face-to-face -face conversation. Uh, we can do these webinars, we can do educational videos, we can do all these great things and we just need to harness that. Mm -hmm. And that's true for any media company. That's true. In terms of wine specifically, what subjects are you excited to cover in your 
future issues and just in general, what kind of energizes you as an editor? What type of content, what subject matter? Oh, subject matter. I personally love the business side of this. Um, I love hearing about wineries that are finding new and clever ways of drumming up business or meeting the consumer where they are. Um, I was just looking at obvious wines. We've covered them in the past, but I genuinely think that their labels are some of the best in the wine industry. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but no, their whole slogan is, you should not need a PhD to drink wine. And on the back, it's got wine pairings, a little map of where the grapes were grown. Uh, the label, it's the name of the uh, brand itself is something like number one, as if you like Chanel number five, right? Nice. Number one is dark and bold, right? And so you know this wine, whenever you go to buy it, it's going to taste dark and bold. And I, I just think it's really clever how they did this because it's no fuss. You don't need to have this huge wine background to understand what you're getting in the glass. Um, I love stuff like that. I love hearing about young winemakers and viticulturists uh, doing their own thing, um, becoming entrepreneurs and starting their own brand and bucking convention. I love hearing about female winemakers and viticulturists. I love hearing about the diversity of American wine. Um, I'm currently on a anti-California kick in a way. Um, I'm trying to learn as much as I can about the wine regions in other states, the Northeast, the Southwest, up in Canada. Um, there's, there's so many cool things going on that I don't know about because I live in Sonoma. And I'm kind of hoping that now that everybody's gotten used to Zoom or WebEx or FaceTime or whatever it is, there are more opportunities to see what's happening, to see what's going on there. Yeah. Um, because they're, you know, the winemaker's got his phone in his hand and he's walking through the vineyard showing you how the frost damaged this bud or this new trellising method. Um, that, those are the kind of things that really excite me. I, I like talking to people who are thinking about the future, who are moving forward, who are trying creative things even if they fail, wow. knowing that they'll learn something from that failure. Innovation. This is yeah. not, not a powerful concept. So unfortunately, none of us can travel at the moment, but in the past, again, and it will obviously happen again in the future, but in the past, you've visited quite a few countries and you've spoken at different conferences. Um, has there been any experiences that, you know, I would like to hear it. So I'm hoping to hear some of the, you know, amusing stories from your travels, some epiphanies that occurred that, you know, Obviously, you can't predict those things. It's just the moment in time that happens. That's the beauty of it. Just anything cool from your travels that really stood out. Oh, gosh. I could write a book about the weird things that have happened on my travels, and I've thought about it. I might um, do it under a pseudonym, of course, because some of these, oof. Um, I'll read it. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> you got one customer already. I'm going to need an editor, so I'll send it to you. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, um, you know, the best things, the best experiences I've had while traveling happen when I get lost. And I am not a natural born navigator. Um, my husband and I have been walking the same path through the neighborhood um, for the past <laughs> month, and I may have not realized where we were at one point. Um, That's great. Me too. 
actually. But especially, especially in those bigger cities, right? Um, I tend to get a little turned around and that inevitably leads me to wandering into a restaurant or a bar and just sitting down and talking to the bartender um, and kind of sussing out where the best places to eat or the best places to visit are. And I'm not alone in that. Everybody does that. Most, most people do that. I should amend that statement. Um, but I just love learning about the culture and the experience from the people who live it. Um, and I, I usually, when I travel on press tours, I try to add on a couple days so I can do that. Right. You know, when you're on a press tour, you're, kind of competing with the other journalists to ask questions to get some time with the winemaker. Um, you're on a usually a very set schedule and you know they kind of decide which wineries you're going to. I always like to add the extra time to suss out things that are more of interest to me or provide me a different perspective than what I would have gotten. Um, and so getting lost is has actually turned out to be a benefit accidental tours. I, I love everything about what you're saying because I think we learn so much more when we're not trying to. We're not standing in front of the famous X painting sculpture monument of some type because you're supposed to see it. Yep. It's really getting lost. Yeah and you know I have friends all over the world now that I just I call them up when I'm in town and I say hey let's go do something and they show me the hidden secrets. Um, they act as the tour guide and they give me a, a real perspective um, of what's going on there. No, that's fantastic because in a way I think if, if there is ever an objective for travel it's meeting yourself in a different context because it brings out different qualities in you and it sounds so selfish but it really isn't. It's more of an exploration of who you are as a human being. Yeah and it develop, helps you develop some compassion and a greater understanding of the world and you can step outside yourself for once. Yes. Right. It's really amazing to me. It's, it's, it's hard to find positives in this COVID situation, but I truly believe that there are. And one of them is that we discovered that we're so interconnected, that we're global citizens, whether we're like it or not. It's just a fact of life. That a pandemic like that can spread across countries and indiscriminately affect everybody and we have common shared pain points don't we yeah exactly well um i am so delighted uh that we have you at the helm of again the publication that really has a lot of practical insights in addition to some really great writing um and just overall perspectives but very specific practical actionable information and the fact that you are now doing webinars and expanding your programming is so useful because i know a lot of people look up to you for advice suggestions you know kind of taking um more of a helicopter view on the industry and um it covers a lot of those aspects do you have any other things in the works that we should know about vis-a-vis um, -vis the publication? Well, right now, uh, we're, we're in a little bit of a crisis mode as well, thanks to COVID. Um, one of the key arms of our business was in-person events. And so we've had to do over the last you know month a, a huge pivot in how we deliver on that content for our events. Mm -hmm. um, so because of that, we're learning, we're really learning about 
more about digital mm -hmm. and what we can offer using these different platforms. So the webinars actually is the reason we had been talking about launching webinars and you know um, updating our digital offerings for a little while. And this was the impetus to get us to just do it, to dive right in. So we made a decision on a Tuesday afternoon to launch webinars and by Thursday, we were marketing our first. Um, so now we're flushing out the content, uh, we're flushing out the procedure, we're making it really great. Um, I'm very excited for the topics that we have coming. Um, it's allowing us to be more timely than we would have if we were holding in-person events, right? Yeah. So for context, you know, say we're holding um, a, a conference in September. My content planning for it starts the October before. I'm already reaching out to keynotes. I'm already assembling advisory boards. I'm already kind of developing the, the topics and the speakers that we'll be delivering in September. Mm, wow. So it's not necessarily as timely, mm. right? You can try to be as timely as you want and think, okay, what are the current issues of the day? Um, and a great example of that is our, uh, YVI conference, you know, that was supposed to be held end of March this year. We had to postpone until August and fingers crossed we can still do that. Mm -hmm. um, the topics we were going to deliver on were incredibly timely as of March. But what about in August? Right? They no may not necessarily be so. Um, so we're looking at webinars and webcasts to keep that content and that information as up to date as possible. What a huge responsibility. And, you know, I'm feeling trepidation as I'm listening to you because <laughs> everything is, all this body of work is hinging on, hey, but something happened and we no longer, you know, should proceed accordingly, you know, mm -hmm. to what we initially thought. So that means you have to pivot and punt and flex and all those things. And you have to really be willing and able to step up to the plate in the current iteration of things. That's, that's pretty tough. Uh, yeah, thank you for saying it because for anybody who doesn't write or create content, it's a challenge. There are days where I, I question myself even, you know, I love what I do, don't get me wrong, but there are days that I go, how are we going to make this work? And, you know, I don't sleep at night because I'm trying to to think of the the right paragraph or the right angle or the right speakers and you know, we generally, genuinely worry about what we're producing. Um, it means a lot to us. You know, we, we take pride in our work and myself, especially I'm slightly a perfectionist and, you know, I don't like putting out crappy content. Well, can I just say thank God for people like you, because we all value our time and people like you truly honor it because if there's a piece of content that winds up on your desk, I know you're going to comb through it over and over again. And that perfectionist side of yours will ensure <laughs> that the reader's time is not wasted, yeah. um, which obviously explains why your publication is so successful. It's not just the purpose and the mission, but it's also the execution that's stellar. Well, thank you. We, we work hard. <laughs> and you need that glass of wine at the end of the day, I bet. Um, so you know what I'm going to ask next. I know it's probably not California based on what we just shared, but uh, what, what are you drinking these days? Oh, man. Um, I actually am drinking a 
quite a bit of California these oh. days, but um, I'm drinking, I don't want to say alternative California, but I'm really focusing on buying wines that are produced by either people I know and care about their wines or I've heard are great stewards of the land and, and trying to make a difference in the world. Um, so like tonight I actually have um, Tarpon Cellars. They released a new line, Cambaro, and I'm drinking their white wine tonight while watching a concert that they're putting on. Um, I'm, I'm all for new and interesting varieties. Send me something that I've never heard of. That's what I want to be drinking tonight. That is, you know, really a very healthy, but also fun perspective on things. Try something new. Don't be grandfathered into it. Let's just drink the same X varietal every night because I'm used to it. So I, <laughs> I love that. Um, so my last but not least question is wearing a hat of the consumer that's not up to the eyebrows like we all are in the wine world <laughs> and more wine curious but still wants to dig a little deeper and it's trying to separate and it's actually applicable to all the other realms as well like when people look at the label in the grocery store their favorite type of beets and it says organic is it really what does it really mean so mm -hmm. in the wine world how do you separate fact from fiction because there's so much you know covered in marketing language and all those pretty buzzwords from the consumer's point of view how do they separate the two and how do they drink better as a result oh that's a tough one because it's <laughs> not like you know the consumer knows necessarily which publication which resource mm -hmm. to go to and i'm gonna go out on a limb and say a lot of people don't necessarily know how to research in a way that is meaningful yeah i mean you, I, you see a lot of people post things on Facebook that are just completely, yeah, I'm not going to get into that one. Um, <laughs> I'm going I'm to walk myself back from that. Um, for the consumer who's looking to know more about wine, I would just, I would say keep reading. Okay. Honestly, just the more you read, the more you'll realize that if four publications or four blogs or four pieces of information have the same type of content, they're all saying the same thing about what a Bordeaux wine is or, you know, planted acreage in California, right? You can start to see, okay, okay, maybe there's some truth to that. Keep digging, but maybe that's the right path to go down. But if you're reading something and there's so many different types of information and one fact is said four different ways, and you start to think, okay, well, you know, maybe there's really not some truth to this. Um, but for the publications that I go to when I need to do some research, I have the Wine Bible. I have the World Atlas of Wine. I have all of that at the ready. And those are the, those are the two that I go to the most for reference. That's really interesting. You know, when I ask a similar question to people in the industry, what I hear almost uniformly in fact, I would have to put a very high percentage point, maybe 99.9% .9 people will say, just keep tasting, just take random wine bottle off the shelf and figure it out. But as I think about it, it's a pretty overwhelming proposition. <laughs> you know? I, I have issues with that, to be entirely honest, just keep okay. tasting. Um, yes, you should. Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. Keep tasting, keep learning. But the, when I think about wine, and this is probably something that's specific to my position 
at Wine Business Monthly and why I've, I'm studying for my W set. And my favorite word when I'm writing these uh, essays is but, because I know that winemaking can go so many different ways, right? That, you know, you can take the same grapes and give it to three different winemakers and you get three completely different products. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, three different styles of Pinot Noir, if you, you know, if you really get into it. So tasting it isn't necessarily, you're not going to, I guess, understand the theory as much. You're, go, you're always going to get some variability. You have to keep digging further. Mm. You have to ask the winemakers what they did and why your Pinot Noir from the same vineyard tastes different than this guy's Pinot Noir from the same vineyard. Like it, you have to ask the question. You have to have curiosity. You have to constantly critique and be critical of what you're consuming, whether that's wine or information. Um, you know, I'm a very critical person by nature, and sometimes people think that's cold or callous, but I'm really just discerning because I, I don't, I don't want to be fed. Excuse my language, bullshit. Yep. You know, whether that's my food, my wine, or you know, what comes across my email. Um, and I, I have more experience in doing the research and digging out the truth, but I would love it if everyone could do the same, right? If you read something in Wine Business Monthly and you think that's crap, email me, tell me. I want to know because that means we didn't do our job, right? And you should be doing the same for your winemakers, for anything, really. Be curious about it. want to know more. And, and take the step to ask. I bet you if you asked, you could go to just about any winemaker and say, how did you make this wine? Why is this Pinot Noir different? Oh, they would love to answer that. Right? That's what, the, that's their bread and butter. That's what they want to talk about. So Absolutely. You know, we're willing to educate and help. You just got to ask. You're advocating an extraordinary level of transparency, which believe me, is music to my ears. I mean, it implies accountability. It implies um, the need to stand behind your work and not just with pretty words, but to be able to back it up. And, exactly. You know, I could kind of sum it up in two words, critical thinking, which I've been a fan of as long as I can remember myself. And there's a word critical in it, but it's not for the sake of criticism. It's for the sake of thinking, <laughs> <laughs> not accepting something at face value, just because somebody says that if it's a voice of authority, that's still not necessarily you know, translating into you completely buying into it, you know, and I thought it was really interesting what you said earlier, like looking for patterns. If there's a pattern repeating in several pieces of data, that means the validity, the likelihood is much higher because they might be, you know, calling from the same source. So it's just a scientific fact and they are citing it, but there's a commonality that's so important. Yeah. I do want to add a little caveat to that now that I think about it is yes, you know, just because like they have the four sources have to be reputable. Yes. Right. Because it's so easy to just copy something from somewhere and then somebody else copies it from you and then somebody else copies it from them and this rumor and lies perpetuated and spread. But if you're looking at four reputable sources, then okay. Yeah. There's a, a very good chance that that's accurate information. Well, if I were to encounter a genie and they would grant me one wish for humanity. I'm pretty sure that my response would be critical thinking. What, what would be yours? <laughs> oh, uh, you know, uh, critical thinking, yes. And 
I guess transparency too. I, I'm not a big fan of secrets. I'm not a big fan of holding information back. I, you, you can ask me anything you want about myself and I will tell you God's honest truth. Um, and I think we need more of that in the world. Um, maybe some humility too, admitting when we don't know the answer. I'll be the first to say, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think we need some more of that. Those are all exceptionally worthy values that um, I second wholeheartedly. So um, Jeannie, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> it's a good time to step up. We could use it right now in this moment of time, especially. Um, it's been such a delight having you, Erin. Um, I've had the privilege of getting to know you in real life. And you guys, she is exactly what she presented on this podcast. I can tell you she's you know, very much what she described herself to be, very transparent, very honest. Um, and at the same time, extraordinarily delightful, intellectual, cerebral, high emotional quotient, all the things that I look for in a friend. So thank you so much for- well, Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. <laughs> yes, it was. I love talking to you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, likewise, and we'll have to do it again. You guys need to let me know. Erin said that she'll answer any questions and I think that there's, so much more wisdom to be had from her. So please write to us and let us know what you want to hear. Um, thank you again. And I'm not going to say goodbye. I'm going to say um, we'll meet again soon. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to the official podcast of Palette Exposure featuring Alona Thompson. We'll see you again next week.